Welcome everyone, this is Russ Council Chronicles of the End Time. So glad to be with you today as we continue our look into the rise of the counterfeit church. We celebrate what God's doing all over the world. And I pray that we're all hungering and thirsting, that we are not satisfied with church as is, status quo, that we are moving ahead in God. Remember, if we're in neutral, it's like going backwards. We must be going forward. The church is designed to go forward. All our armor is designed to be in the front. And we are supposed to be on the attack, not of people, but we are supposed to be on the attack of the enemy, taking back the strongholds and leading people to Christ. That is our mission. That is our calling. And we have to remember, in Bible prophecy, It's like the railroad tracks, and we talk about that a lot. But those two rails are parallel, and they're running together towards a destination. And that's the way it is with Bible prophecy. It's not just the rise of darkness on one rail, but it's what God's doing on the other side, the other rail. And they ride together towards what will be the coming kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all prophesied to be. We just need to walk in it. We just need to be ready to do what God calls us to do in the moment. So let's get right to it. One of the great examples of the dramatic changes underway in the church world, biblical worldview has dropped to 6% as a nation. This shockingly low number has dropped 50%. It was 25 years ago, it was 12%. The biblical literacy and belief in the historic Christian faith in America has collapsed. A biblical worldview was defined as believing that absolute moral truth exists, that such truth is defined by the Bible, and firm belief in the six specific religious views. And what are they? Well, those views are that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life, God is the all-powerful and all-knowing creator of the universe, and still rules today, salvation is a gift from God and cannot be earned, Satan is real. A Christian has a responsibility to share their faith in Christ with other people. And the Bible is accurate in all of its teachings. Wow. I wonder if that is what we're believing today. I hope it is. If these basic doctrines are not part of any church's worldview, it's kind of reasonable to ask if we're talking about Christianity anymore. We know that the spirit of Antichrist is in the world because John told us that in his epistle. But what are some of the signs that are happening today? The counterfeit Christianity or the counterfeit church? In Daniel, in chapter 7, verses 25, it says the Antichrist will speak against the Most High and oppress his saints and try to change the set times and laws. And that's big. Satan is attempting to thwart God's plan for the salvation of mankind. He promotes a lawless Christianity that teaches we can selectively obey or even ignore God's commandments. This is the spirit of Antichrist. We have to understand how much the devil hates us. Hopefully, we know how much God loves us. Understanding how much the devil hates you and me is very important. The viciousness, the wickedness of it is just beyond what we can even imagine. Just the opposite of the Lord God Almighty, who loves us with a love that just keeps on coming. You have to understand his purpose is to convince people that they are serving Christ 
while cutting them off from salvation and clouding their understanding of what sin is. So they will continue to sin. So they will practice at least some degree of lawlessness. Satan is brilliant at exploiting human nature. The flesh is our greatest enemy. When Paul walked on the earth, he wasn't afraid of demons. He just cast them out if they were in his way. But what he fought with was the flesh. He said that the flesh is constantly at war with the spirit. And that's what we're all fighting. None of us are exempt from that. But if we don't have the word of God, then the enemy comes in and he begins to tell us that we can do this and we can do that. I've known men of God that have fallen away because they believed they could get away with what they were doing. And God didn't mind because they were blessed. We can convince ourselves of anything if we're honest. And how do I keep myself? It's through the word of God. And the Spirit of God reminded me, no, that is not the way. Guard your heart. In any group of people, in any church or fellowship, there's going to be those that walk close to the Lord. There's going to be those somewhere in the middle. And there's going to be those who are on the outside looking in. And what makes it dangerous is when teachers and leaders begin to preach a different gospel. That's a whole different world. We all make mistakes. We all stumble along the way. That's unfortunately part of the journey. The Bible tells us that we need to guard our hearts. The world tells us to follow our hearts, that our hearts are good and we need to follow them. What's our heart's desire? Well, we know what our heart's desire is. It's not good. The Bible tells us that our heart is deceitful. And who can know it? Who can figure it out? It's tricky. It makes a great Hollywood script. Follow your heart. Sounds so good. The Bible tells us that our heart needs to be changed through the Word of God. It needs to be cleansed. It needs to be harnessed like a wild horse. We have to put the bridle in it. If we just let it run free, it'll do whatever it wants. Here's a good question. Is it possible that in the search for cultural relevance, we have created our own version of the golden calf? I wonder what's your opinion of that. Why do we care about this? Because we love people. If we're really walking with Jesus, we don't want to see anybody go to hell. We don't want to see anybody lost. We don't want to see anybody walking in confusion and bumping into walls. Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. We should be that salt. We should be that light so people can find their way. Society wants us to bend to their rules. It's the constant pull on us and our children and everyone around us. But the word of God is the rock that we need to stand on. And the blessing of that is if we do so, we will see God move as he's moving in Asbury University and other places in the world. God is looking for those who dare trust him and believe him at his word. We know that the only sin that can't be forgiven is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And there's much debate exactly what that is. But the Bible tells me that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. So where does that leave us? Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which is against God, because God is the Holy Spirit, is calling God a liar, calling his word untrue, calling it deception, calling it false, and living that way and dying that way. Because once you're gone, there's no chance of forgiveness. So blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is to call God a liar till your dying day. There's no coming back from that. That's why John told us not to pray for that, because you can't be praying for the dead. 
We must make our decisions now. So I bring that up because that's our heartbeat. Our heartbeat is not to poke our fingers at people. It's to love people and live in a way that they can be drawn to the light. So if the church is in the dark, what hope have we? That's why God sends these moments of revival. What does revival mean? To revive. The church is on the operating table, and God needs to revive it, breathe new life into it. That's so important because he's depending on the church. That's how it works. Yes, God could appear again and preach the gospel to everybody and do signs and wonders all over again, but that's the job of the church now. Jesus has already been here. He's already done that, and he's left the rest to us, and we cannot let the light go out. I think of Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? That applies not only to us as individuals, but we're talking about us as the church, the light of the world. So as we wrap this up today, we're going to look in Revelation chapter 17 and just read a couple of verses, beginning with verse 4. It says, The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand, filled with the abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. This title was written on her forehead, Mystery Babylon the Great, the Mother of Prostitutes and of the Abominations of the Earth. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of those who bore the testimony to Jesus. How is this counterfeit church going to end up? It's going to end up powerful. It's going to end up rich and become one of the building blocks the Antichrist uses to rise to power. We're going to be talking about that next week specifically. So until then, let's keep praying. Let's keep praying for our relatives, our friends, our neighbors and those that we care about, and even those we don't care about. For Jesus said that we should pray for our enemies, and he would bless us because of it, following in his footsteps. So tune in next week as we're going to continue this discussion, and you might think, how in the world could this possibly happen? But it is going to happen. It's described in great detail. We're going to look into it next week. So until then, let's keep praying for one another. This is Russ Galzo, Chronicles of the End Times. Keep looking up. The King is coming.